0: morning thank you I'm gonna sit I think for a minute. Um, I might stand, I might yell um, I might laugh and I might cry. so how about that? So I'm going to start off with a story because it's super relevant and um, I am um, for many many years I taught and spoke and traveled all around the world um, telling my story, and other people's stories, and um, got to a place where I had a super polished uh, message. I most often it was related to my testimony um, and the way I I kind of term that is it was um, a beautiful story wrapped in a beautiful silver box with a beautiful silver bow. And if you know anything about grace, Grace isn't in a beautiful silver box (laughs) wrapped beautifully with a beautiful silver bow. It is a crap show. It is messy. It is ugly. It is never something that is um, all neat and tidy. So uh, for many, many years, I did that. Nine years ago this coming June, I closed uh, my international organization. Um, It was a a very big deal. And I'll be honest, um, I... Didn't know if I would ever speak or talk or share anything again um, related to that. I tried for a little while, and it just didn't go anywhere. And I decided I'm, I'm done with that. Maybe that season of my life, well, that season of my life definitely was over. Um, maybe ministry um, is completely over. And I decided probably about five years ago, I'm just going to be quiet. I don't have anything to say. In fact, I don't really know what I believe related to a whole lot of things anymore other than this. God is good and he is for me. And I'm gonna sit and rest in that. So this morning, um, I was looking back at my notes. I used to to speak in um, in the main service some here and there. I looked back at at some notes. I was pulling things up, just trying to get the juices flowing um, about a week ago. And the last time I spoke in church was five years ago. And um, there were some good things. Like, there's some nuggets there. Oh, that's, that's good. You know, I'm, I'm smart. Um, I, still, I still believe that. That's still relevant. And, and then the year before, um, I'd done a, a message based on a book Leslie and I um, had written, um, my third book, her first. And there were some good nuggets in that. And I, I kind of started from there. Like, this is, this is not really where I want to go. Um, this is not really... Um, the message I wanna I want to talk about. Um, so I started some new kind of thoughts. Um, super random. Um, for those of you who have done mind styles with me, you know I'm a concrete random. And for those of you who don't know what th- any of that means, you really should do mind styles with me. Um, but it means I grasp and receive information in a concrete way. So what you tell me is I'm gonna take it at face value. Jokes are kind of difficult for me at first pass um, because what you say, it's like, oh, this is, this is I don't understand what you're saying. I'm a concrete learner. But once it's in there, all bets are off. Um, It is completely random and goes in a million different directions. Everything that comes in, once it's in there, starts being um, picked apart like the food that we eat. Um, Our body begins sending it the places that it needs to go, whether that's going to exit later or whether it's going to stay and give us energy or something like that. So my brain is completely random on the inside. So I... Um, started typing out my very random thoughts about a week ago, and uh, then had a super busy week, probably like all of you, and went back to it yesterday morning. And I had a bunch of alone time in the house yesterday, and I, I pretty much sat staring at my computer the majority of about 10 hours. Um, Leslie called at one point, and she was like, how's it going? I said, it's horrible. I, I have nothing to say. I'm not smart. Um, I have nothing um, to contribute to this. I don't want to do it. And she said, have you thought about getting COVID? I said, yes, I have. (laughs) Um, um, I went to dinner with our life group last night. I um, begged Joey to switch with me today. He said no. Um, And so I went back to it thinking, "Okay, well, it is what it is. I'll get up early in the morning. So I woke up about 3.49 this morning. Uh, which is only 20 minutes earlier than I normally wake up, so don't, don't, don't gasp. Um, so I got up and made the coffee, kicked Leslie out of the room, um, and sat there and started kind of typing and, and reading over what I had from yesterday and some other things and um, reading some scripture and, and just kind of trying to figure out, okay, what, what is this gonna look like this morning? So I, I started kind of ordering some things. Um, and I got to a point where it was like, okay, there's just maybe half a page of this that I really feel like is relevant. Um, so I, then I started kind of pulling in some other things. And about six o'clock, I decided, oh, I should probably save this because um, it wasn't saved. So I um, deleted a couple of things and my computer froze, or my, actually not my whole computer, just Word. Um, so Word froze. It's like, ah, oh, this is irritating. So it, it unfroze and I started doing it again and I pushed um, file in order to get um, it to save. And it froze. And I was like, <laughs> okay, whatever. So, and like I've, I've got four pages of notes that I was gonna type or I was gonna print out and, and kind of look over um, some things here and there that were relevant. And it didn't unfreeze. Oh. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna take a shower. So I took a shower, came back out, still frozen. Okay, well, I have this sneaking suspicion God doesn't want me to use notes today. So, I wasn't going to teach anyways. Kyle's a teacher. Um, Jason's a teacher. Some of the other guys have been teachers. I'm, I'm not a teacher. So I can teach. I'm a. I'm more of a storyteller. So I was like, I, I'm just going to somehow figure out what story to tell this morning, and um, maybe this is how. God wanted it anyways. So I, I was like, OK, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to walk away from this. And I brought the computer to, to church this morning when Leslie and I came and um, tried it again over and over again. Nothing. Can't get it. So I pulled up um, another, some of the other notes because I, I just wanted to see if I could um, kind of finagle it. And so then those notes were on top of the actual notes that I was going to use. So I have no notes, like not, no option for notes. Um, and I took a couple of pictures or some, some pictures of a couple of the things that I pulled up. Um, and as I was sitting in Leslie's office just a few minutes ago, I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll do that fun Russian roulette thing. Anybody ever play Russian roulette with the Bible? With the Bible? Like, and sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh, this really works. And other times it's like, really? Jesus wept and, you know, <laughs> Balaam's donkey and all that. I don't, I don't know. But I opened it right up. To, I have all these bookmarks that my kids have made in kids' church here. Um, the first one that I opened up, the message was, Dad, I love you more than life from Molly um, from probably 10 years ago or more. Um, but it, was, it opened to the gospel according to John. And there were three scriptures that I've highlighted. Um, that's the reason the bookmark is there in the first place. But that were ones that were in some of my notes somewhere scattered around. Um, that I can't get to and I thought "Hmm." so God's not letting me use notes but he is giving me a few little pieces um, that he felt were relevant to what I had to say today Um, and so we're here to talk about grace and the the title that I came up with and I'm not sure I I I had a nice little subtitle as well um, which I'll try to find but the title that I came up with was grace literally applied Leslie and I are founding elders here at Grace Church. We've been here since before the doors opened to the public. Um, I have been, Clark has been my pastor um, since 1995. I met him in 1994. And I remember sitting in Discovery Church in Orlando, Florida, when he came as a guest speaker early in 1994 And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, if this guy ever starts a church or pastors a church in Orlando, I'm going to go to his church. A year later, he came to Calvary Assembly, and I went. And I grew up in church, born and raised um, Southern Baptist. In fact, there was was one point in my life where I thought I was born on the front row of my Southern Baptist church in Winter Park, Florida, because I was always there. Church was our life. I loved it. Um, and while I can look back and point out all the horrible things I learned in church, like some of you, um, and all of the the traps that I think um, are a part of church, today I look back at church and I think, I'm thankful for all of it. I'm thankful even for the parts um, that I look back and are troubling to me, the things that cause me indigestion today, Um, the things that I learned that I would never say, I'm I'm thankful for all of it because it it gave me a foundation and helped me get to a place for when I met Clark. He didn't say this necessarily, but what he did for me was he gave me permission to have a faith of my own. He gave me permission to figure it out for myself. He taught me things. um, He taught all of us things. But he taught it with open hands. In such a way that allowed me to realize this isn't about what I've been spoon-fed all my life. It's not about all of the things that I've learned from the pulpit that I have to walk out every day or regurgitate every day. I I had until that point. But this is about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that's based on his and my relationship with each other, not based upon the church. So... Um, in 1995, really, um, all the years, I was 23 at the time, um, all the years of, of learning and, and church really started to get processed through this new filter of, this is a relationship of my own. This is um, my life. This is my ability. Um, I have the ability to Um, discover who God is, who Jesus is, what church is going to be for me. And it became an amazing journey. Four years later, I joined the staff of of Calvary. I became a pastor there. Um, Two years later, I became the president of an international organization called Exodus, which, um, if you don't know my story, was a ministry that um, profoundly impacted my life. Um, I grew up, um, like I said, in the church, Um, with a secret, um, believing that I, um, or knowing that I was gay, um, frankly, that, um, and that was a secret I was never going to tell, never going to share with anybody. Exodus was a ministry that helped me, helped me, um, the the best thing Exodus did for me, um, kind of like the church growing up, there were a million things that I um, could tell you were, were damaging about Um, Exodus and the ministry that I led, and even the ministry that I um, um, myself had. But the one thing it did for me was it taught me something about God, that he had always been for me, that there was never a moment I'd ever spent by myself. There was never a moment that he didn't know exactly who I was. There was never a moment that he was up in heaven wringing his hands, wondering what he was going to do with me. Um, He always knew. He always had a plan. And um, that's part of the silver box um, that I I spent um, many, many years traveling all around the world um, speaking about um, and sharing. Um, Nine years ago, I closed that ministry um, because of grace, um, frankly. Um, That ministry was um, wonderful in many aspects, but it was full of mixture, much like the churches most of us grew up in the message was incomplete, and it was based on <clears throat> a striving to do something and be something that I'm not 100% sure God wanted us um, to be or to do, um, and it certainly was um, became more about um, works than it did about um, trusting and resting and being um, in, in God's presence and understanding who he was. So. That was eight years into our work here and and ministry here at at church. Um, I thought I knew a lot about grace. I would have considered myself an expert about grace. I would have considered myself an expert about Christianity. Um, But what I found in 2013 when we closed that ministry and I stood on a a national stage literally before millions of, of people watching online and closed that ministry and pretty much repudiated um, the mission of that organization that I had given my life to um, for over 20 years um, was I realized I really don't know as much as I thought I did. Oh. I didn't know as much about God as I thought I did. Um, <clears throat> I didn't know as much about grace as I thought I did. And really what that event was for me, was like for me, um, was like dropping an atomic bomb in the middle of our life. Um, Leslie, uh, Leslie, uh, and, and I'll be honest, today I don't regret any of that. I, if I could go back, I probably would do it a little differently, um, that was a little more planned out or a little, um, I might have put some money in some reserve somewhere or <laughs> hidden it or. A little less um, um, yeah, something. But I look back and I know, kind of like my notes just kind of disappearing today that God orchestrated all of it. Um, That he was the one who allowed me to drop the atomic bomb that I dropped. Um, Leslie was completely with me on all of it. My board of directors was completely with me on all of it. Clark and Martha were a part of my board of directors uh, when we closed the ministry. Um, And it it really was an atomic bomb. And in Subsequent years, Leslie and I have talked about that um, coming home from that conference, which was in California, um, flying home to, uh, across the country. It was covered on national television. It was in every paper. Um, it was like we came home from Vietnam. And pretty much for nine years, it's felt like that. Like we were... At times <clears throat> crying is so annoying. Um, at times <laughs> it was... it's been like being a stranger in our own country. Um, it cost us decades of relationships. It cost us, personally, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, reputation. Position, um, everything. And yet, as devastating as it's been, I've learned more about grace in nine years than ever before. And there have been a, a lot of times. When I've wanted to leave the church, the church, big C, the church, little C, um, to leave this church, sometimes not in the last year, I'll say, Um, and there's no, I don't mean that in a snarky way, but there were times when I just didn't want to walk through the door and look people in the eye. Because there was a lot of questions in the eyes that I stared into. Um, A lot of people wondered, what does he believe? And frankly, there are times when I just don't know myself. It's not a silver box with a silver bow anymore. Grace is messy. Grace is ugly. Um, And frankly, I spend a lot of time very angry at grace. Um, But this one thing I know, that God is for me, that God is good, better than I could have ever imagined, more faithful than I could have ever imagined, more trustworthy than I ever knew. And he's taught me something about people that I didn't know before all of this. that it's not my job to fix anyone. It's not my job to worry about anyone. Not my friends, not my neighbors, not a community of people, not all of you, not my wife, not anyone. Did I say my kids? Not even my kids. (laughs) God, do I worry about my kids. It's not my job. It's not my job to pray that they know Jesus thank you. It's not my job to hope that they know Jesus. It's not my job to worry about anyone knowing Jesus. I used to think it was my job every night to go to bed praying for all the people who didn't know Jesus. Not my job. And you know what? There was, kind of goes hand in hand with a message that was taught pretty early on at Grace, um, where a Um, one of our regular teachers stood up and said that he hadn't asked forgiveness in decades. We were like, what? You haven't asked for forgiveness? And I thought to myself that day, I'm not ever asking for forgiveness again. Doesn't mean I'm not ever going to say I'm sorry, but sorry and forgiveness are two different things. I stopped asking for forgiveness and I haven't asked. Um, That's probably been at least 15 years Um, of God. I... Humans, they, we should ask them forgiveness all the time. Um, but God doesn't require me to ask for his forgiveness. I already got it. We all have. Um, but hand in hand with that came the not worrying, not wondering, not freaking out over what everyone was doing. Um, see, the ministry of Exodus, while there was some relaxation there and some rest and I think a better message than most Christians have about Um, all things gay and God, Um, at the end of the day, there was a constant wonder and worry and feeling like there was something for me to do, something for us to do about this. And what I came to realize, like not asking for forgiveness anymore because it was already done, the striving and the worrying and the positioning and the clever messages and the using of testimony was no longer my job. Um, It had never been my job. It was really nobody's job, frankly. And I could stop not only asking for forgiveness, but I could stop trying to figure out what God wasn't trying to figure out. God's not up in, his, in heaven, wringing his hands, wondering what he's going to do with anyone. Therefore, we should stop as the church, I should stop as a, a minister, wringing my hands, wondering how I'm going to solve a problem that frankly is out of my pay grade. Um, and so Leslie and I, that, that kind of began to percolate, start percolating before we closed Exodus, but it only Um, sped up after that, where we got to the point where people would ask our opinion about something specific, something related to, to what we'd always had an opinion on. What's your opinion about this? And I got to the point where I started giving two of my current favorite answers. Number one, I don't know, and number two, I don't care. And people didn't like that, especially people in the church. Well, that's not true. It's people all over. People live plugged into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The world lives plugged into it. The church lives plugged into it. They They want an answer. They want right and wrong, good or bad, who is evil, who is not. We see it on the news every day. This group is good currently. This group is bad currently. Um, we're going to defund this group, we're going to elevate this group, we're going to do this in, in this community, in this society. This group is, is wonderful. It's constant separation. It is, it is um, like the message when I was in middle school. A, a, um, a guest speaker came to my Southern Baptist church and stood up and was preaching a message on the wheats and the tares. I had no idea what a wheat or a tare was. I'd never read the scripture in my life, but he was calling people wheats and tears, like pointing out. I had no idea what he was saying other than, you're a wheat, you're a tear, you're a wheat, you're a tear. He was from some southern Mississippi, whatever, Texas, I don't know, where the accent makes the message all the better. And he was pointing, you're a wheat, you're a tear, you're a wheat, you're a tear. And later I realized, you know, I can't remember what his angle on it was other than um, it was all about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was all about some of you are wheats, and some of you are tares. And we might not know who's the wheat and who's the tare, um, but truth be told, um, some of you are wheats and some of you are tares. So sorry, bless your heart. Um, but the best thing that happened for me, for us, for Leslie and me amidst the devastation was we began to literally apply grace. Um, grace was no longer this message that Clark had taught us for now more than a decade. It was no longer this thing that was so exciting and so revolutionary and life-changing, which it still was, but I'll be honest, I don't live there today. Um, it is revolutionary. It is life-changing. I love it. There's no better message than grace, but like I said, I, I there are more days than not that I'm I'm angry with grace, Um, but that's okay. Um, But what it it did for me, what it did for us, was it gave us peace and rest. It gave us a satisfying deep breath when it came to our application of it to ourselves and to others. There were the early days where I stumbled in my initial prayers and I would almost say or start to say, God, forgive me for blah, 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 blah. I don't, I I never even stumble over that anymore. I don't even think about it. Um, Similarly, when I think of people, there is never a thought in my head of whether they know Jesus or whether they don't. I simply don't know and I simply don't care. And that sounds harsh. I don't mean it harsh. doesn't mean I don't care about people's reality or what they're going through in their life. But in the peace and rest realm, I'm not wondering about how they need to get cleaned up. I'm not wondering about whether they go to church or whether they should. I'm not wondering about any of those things. What I do instead is look at them in the way that I know God looks at me, in a way that sees a creation that was on purpose, um, that is beautiful in all of its flaws and faults, in all of its mistakes, in all of its rights and wrongs and good and evils and all of those things. And it has allowed me, allowed us to apply grace And literally to have church wherever we go in the days when I thought I don't ever want to walk through the doors of a church again it was because my whole life is church Um, my whole existence and daily being is this relationship with with God the Father with Jesus with the Holy Spirit Um, and so going out, I don't need to hear a Christian song or hear a Christian message or have a, someone give me a Christian epitaph um, to make me feel better or even pray, frankly, because every single moment of every single day, there's something going on in this communion I have with the Lord that grace has done for me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, none of this was on my notes. and so grace literally applied something that was in my notes was thinking back over the course of the last now almost 17 years here at Grace Church of many of the people who have come and gone um, many of whom were transformed by the message of grace like all of us um, who loved the message who internalized the message but yet got to the most difficult part like all of us and that is literally applying grace to ourselves and to others now it's sometimes easier to apply it to ourselves because we live with ourselves every day, Um, but literally applying it to the person who completely frustrates you on I-4, or your neighbor who doesn't mow their lawn the way that you think they should. I'm only speaking personally. (laughs) Um, For the people who are most prevalent on the evening news or the 24-hour news, um, for the political party that we disagree with the most, for our own political party, for a community of people who march with signs um, that we disagree with, or um, for the people who aren't marching with the signs on the sidelines while we're marching with the signs that some of us disagree with. Um, It's hard to apply grace. It's hard to apply it to people who we don't think deserve it. And yet, when we think that, we are no longer plugged into the tree of life, we have plugged right back into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Am I right? And it's hard. I'm not saying we won't struggle there. But I will say, as a church, even as a really good grace church, and I've been in some good grace churches over the course of the last 20 years, even as a really great grace church, and I think we're the real deal. When people say, where do you go to church? And I say, Grace Church. And they're like, oh, is it this Grace Church? And I always say, no, it's the real Grace Church. (laughs) Um, Even the real Grace Church, we struggle with applying grace to people. Um, I'm sure there are pictures of people or communities or groups or political parties or whatever going through your mind right now that are difficult to apply grace to. I've spoken about some of those communities and groups of people begging this church at times to open the doors to them, to let them come in, to let them sit um, and be and have full participation, not full agreement on either side, um, not full... um, not without tension, and I could name a a number of of people groups, um, and people, frankly, um, that fit into those categories. People have left over me saying things like that. Um, I hope none of you will do that. But the application of grace is, I think, the way forward in a way that makes us so deeply uncomfortable, so forced to our knees, so reliant on Jesus. Um, I pray all the time that our current political and um, economic and all things, situations going on um, change. But I'll tell you, in the times when they're really, really good, I don't pray those same prayers. And so I think maybe this season is good for us as a country. God, oh, I hate saying that. Um, because maybe we're forced to pray, not just pray for a new king to sit on the throne, um, because kings and queens come and go, um, not just for a better economy, but for that peace and rest that Jesus died to give us. This something different that we're not really used to. And I think the same thing about church. You know, if anything over the course of the last two years, church in general has changed. Um, it's not the way it used to be. Um, many people, I, I was talking with some Canadians yesterday um, that engaged me over an over a, um, Instagram comment um, who said, if we go to church, we go to jail because we are not vaccinated. Um, and I thought, huh. And I said, well, come, you can come to Florida because we're still the land of the free and the home of the brave. And they said, we're not allowed to leave our country because we're not vaccinated. And then one of them in that same family chimed in and said, but we don't want to leave because we want to stay and pray and be a part of this community, hoping that something will change and be better. It's like, wow, that's, I don't know that I could do the same thing. Although, frankly, we're all doing the same thing. And so my, my thought and my encouragement and my belief and my hope and probably the longest prayer I've prayed for this church is that we get to a place where, yeah, the message is good and it's revolutionary and it still hits the people who come in And they have that, oh my gosh, kind of the way Brett is every single day with the message of grace. It's still this thing that just his face lights up when he talks about it. I hope that still happens for people. But I hope for those of us who it has happened to already, whether it's our face still lights up or we're in that kind of, post-honeymoon phase where it's like, ugh, God, Grace left the toilet seat up again. <laughs> um, my hope is that we actually truly come to a place of understanding what it means to apply Grace to a group of people who are marching in parades, burning down buildings, doing all sorts of things because they don't know the truth. The truth is, they're welcome. They're good enough. They don't have to change anything. The way they are is how God loves them. And I would love to see those people know that not just this church, but any church has its doors open to them. That's the application of grace that makes my face light up, that makes me feel like there's something more. It's the only thing that makes me think, ah, maybe I'll talk about this again. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do this again someday. Does that sound exciting to you? Absolutely. Opening the doors and letting it get a whole lot messier than it currently is. My friend, Rachel Held Evans, who passed away a few years ago, and some of you may know, she's, she was a super controversial, kind of liberal, dynamic, amazing Christian woman. Um, the last conference I heard her speak at, she said, if we're going to see a surge of teenagers and young people come into the church, we're going to have to let this grace thing get out of hand. I'll never forget that. People, there's still, I, every once, I used to Google myself all the time. Because I, for those of you who are familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a 3-2 social, um, which means I'm obsessed with myself. And I'm super narcissistic. um, And I want to know what everybody else thinks. And I used to Google myself all the time um, to read articles. Um, Part of it was my job, and I rarely do that anymore. But I I did the other day, just kind of trying to piece together what I was going to say today. Um, And there are still articles uh, that people write where one group of people thinks I am a raging heretic that has just nearly destroyed the church. Um, And then there are other people who think I am still this right-wing activist who has just destroyed um, a community of people and and betrayed them. Um, And then there are some, I read one yesterday on this very strange site. Um, It was like, wow, she kind of got it right. Um, That's ironic. And um, if we let the grace thing get out of hand, people are going to say mean things about us. They're going to say mean things about you. They're going to misjudge you. They're going to say you're for something you may not be for or against something you may not be against. And people ask me all the time, so what are you for and what are you against? And I say this, I love Jesus and that's it. And all the great answers that I used to be able to give And the neat little story that I used to have wrapped up in a silver box with a silver bow is ripped to shreds these days. I don't have a neat answer for you. And if you ask me what I think about this or what I think about that, probably I don't know or I don't care because it really just doesn't matter. The fact is what matters is people. And when we think about applying grace, there's only one place to do that. Two. Well, one. We can wrap the first one up in the second one. And it is people, us and others. And I think if we're going to be a church that continues, we have to be a church that applies grace like that. Amen? I didn't read those scriptures and I didn't hit my notes, but you know what? I think God was onto something this morning.